Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Do you want to use visual storytelling to change lives? Do you feel called to develop filmmaking skills that expand your reach or use your existing skills to tell more meaningful stories? Walla Walla University offers a Master of Arts degree in cinema, religion, and worldview. This two-year hybrid master's program means you'll spend two weeks each year on campus in intensive courses and the remaining time learning online so you can continue to earn while you learn. When you apply now for the summer 2019 cohort, your application fee will be waived. To learn more, visit filmforhim.org slash called. That's F-I-L-M, the number four, HIM.org slash called. Tell stories, create change. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack Life, Culture, Theology. Hey everyone, quick apology for you. Uh, I accidentally had the wrong microphone selected in Adobe Audition when we recorded this, so you are going to get my raw audio from my laptop. My sincerest apologies to you. Uh, I understand if you can't make it through the whole thing, that is my fault, uh, but I, I will promise, I mean, we've done this 84 times and 85 times, so uh, this is the first time it's happened, so I don't think it'll happen again, but my apologies, bear with us, uh, I promise you. I will do my best to make sure this doesn't happen again. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Absurdity, an exploration of all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. And I am joined once again by my wonderful co-host, Tony, whom I love so much. And I just found out I will soon be reunited with in person. We will jump into each other's arms. So much love. And then we will go see Detective Pikachu together. Um, 80s movies, 80s music are, is going to play. Oh, like, it's going to be gonna slow happen. motion. We'll run through a field. So my dad, so I had a really cool thing. My dad came up here for the weekend. He was speaking for the um, Andrews University Latino Association, whatever, graduation thing. And um, I got a bunch of people. Oh, is that your dad? Yes. Tony Anoboli is my dad, as it turns out. Um, anyway, so... Uh, but he was listening to the episode we did on um, 
uh, it was uh, uh, the the different um, uh, where we had the denominational denominational oh, superiority. Yes. So he started off that episode, and he just was cracking up at the fact that we took like ten minutes to talk about like allergies and <laughs> like our love of movies and whatever. And he just he kept laughing. He thought it was so great. Like he loved it. Don't get me wrong, but he just thought it was hilarious because he's like. I, I got on to listen to Denominational Superiority and I'm hearing about allergies and he's just cracking up and I thought it was so cool to have that kind of moment where I'm like, oh, my dad's listening to the podcast. Yeah, that's actually with that's me. Cool. Well, don't worry, he'll get Hearing there. my voice. Um, with that being said, how... So, two things. Number one, have you seen the Sonic trailer? Yes. Sonic the Hedgehog trailer? Yes. Okay, what are your thoughts before I get to point number I haven't two? been able to sleep since I've seen it. Right? Okay, yeah. So, it's that thing of like... My therapist, don't worry. Sonic the Hedgehog cannot hurt you. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, right? like, exactly. It's that meme. Like, <laughs> okay, number one. Number two, I heard the best conspiracy theory I think I've ever heard. Okay. Ever. I don't believe in conspiracy theories. They're theories for a reason. I don't listen to most of them. 90% of the conspiracy theory or the theories about Endgame were wrong. They took it in an amazing way. Um, but with the Sonic, I think this one's legit. They said... Crap. It's coming at the same time as the Pikachu movie. What do we do? We can't compete with that. And they go, well, what if we just make this horrible trailer and we just take like three months, make this horrible trailer and then pretend to fix it, but actually have the correct version on the film. And I thought that would be a marketing coup on a level like... I mean, Sun that's Tzu just that's couldn't just, come up with a better. I mean, that's just because everyone's talking about it. That's just presidential politics 101 now marketing a movie. That's all that is. You just make up a fake issue I mean, that's never existed to get everyone riled, riled up genius, about it. Though. Yeah, that's all you it do. Really, yeah, it truly is genius because it's like, well, it's like with Grand Theft Auto. They used to like pay to air, you know, like angry ads against Grand Theft Auto to sell it. And I'm like, it's that same thing, you know, uh, uh the the manager of Elvis used to sell the I hate Elvis, you know, stickers and, and pins and all that stuff. Like, it's just that level of genius of like, let's make everyone hate this film, because even if they hate it, they're probably going to watch it. Yep. Absolutely. Like, as genius. I don't know if that's what they did, but if they did, hats off. Tip of yep. the cap. Tip of the cap to you. Mm-hmm. Now that I've wasted everyone's time. <laughs> um. Hey, I actually want to intro this episode. Uh, I'm going to forego the Patreon and Facebook stuff this episode because I want to open. Uh, it is something somber. It's something that I really wanted to at least touch on on this podcast uh, as we move forward. Um, but Saturday, May 4, uh, Rachel Held Evans uh, passed away. Uh, she was a I, I'm going to go ahead and just say she was a theologian. I don't have any other. There's no I don't think there's any. She was. She really was, she was. like, yeah. Um, she is responsible she was responsible for a whole host of christians like like a burned um hateful or full of hate christians like like christians who'd walked away from faith because they'd been burned by it they've been hurt by it they 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 had doubts they were wrestling with like she is the one who opened the door for them to come back um to begin having conversations about god and with god again um, and if you've never read her work, I like I I can't encourage you uh, enough to go read her work. Her latest book, Inspired, um, takes some of the biblical imagery, turns it into poetry, and just recaptures uh, some of the beauty that exists in Scripture. Uh, and just what she did, she stood up to the male establishment of evangelicalism. She opened, she paved the way, and 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 sought 
to create opportunities for other women in ministry and to give them a platform. Uh, she created two conferences where that was the case. Um, just her contribution, like I'm so excited to see over the coming years, just what this, the outcome of the impact of what she did was or, or, or will be. Um, I, I just shocked by it all. It was um, complications from the flu, complications from reactions to medication coming out of a yeah. medically induced yeah. coma. Coma. And then her brain, sw- uh, her brain had swelling and she was basically, she was in the hospital from April 15 and May three is when they were told, when I think her husband was told like, she's not coming back from this. And then Saturday morning she died. Um, and I got absolutely gutted by that. Absolutely well, it, gutted. It, it was, it was so, it happened so quickly. I think that's the thing is sometimes you hear about people who have been sick for a while or they've been struggling or they have a history you know, of illness and with, with uh, Rachel, it just happened so quickly, you know, and I, and I kind of only knew about her from Twitter. Um, I haven't read any of her books, um, but I followed her and I thought she had an incredible uh, message that she was saying, um, learned a lot about, you know, her, her ministry and what she was doing from Twitter. And, you know, it just, it was like one second she was on talking about, you know, getting ready for Lent and, you know, getting ready for Easter, and the next second, all of a sudden, you're like, "Where's where'd she go?" And um, yeah, it was it was just yeah. very devastating to the Christian community as a whole. I think her and Ed Stetzer are two of the big evangelical voices that I really appreciate because, in my mind, they they take the stereotype that we have in our head of who evangelicals are, and they turn it around. As I was gonna say, she's you know, not. They like... really do it. She, by the traditional definition of an evangelical, right, like exactly. she got kicked out basically. Like, oh, yeah, she lost oh, yeah. everything standing up for what she believed in, as oh, far yeah. as like status in the church was concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and she got, um, she got welcomed in by this group of misfits that she ministered to. And, um, and, and honestly, like for an example, um, we read, I think we read some of her tweets, but if we didn't. Um, the episodes that we did on denominational superiority and Adventist yeah, yeah, yeah. exceptionalism. No, we, we, we definitely quoted yeah. her, I think, at least once. Heavily, heavily derived from yeah. things that she said about evangelical exception, uh, exceptionalism. So, like, just do yourself a favor and read through her Twitter for five minutes, yeah. like, and you will yeah. see. Um, she, I, incredible I, even woman. As an Adventist, yeah, even as an Adventist, I, I resonated so well with her message. Um, and if she was not a quote-unquote theologian, she was a woman who understood theology, and in particular, I would say good theology, mm-hmm. uh, someone who truly understood the heart of God. In one sense, you know, I, I love this quote that that she said one time, you know, I thought that God was calling me to make gay people straight, and it said he was calling me to make gay people Christians. And, um, you know, I, I think that's such an excellent snapshot of of her life is she was not trying to change anybody she was trying to lead them to christ and that's exactly what she did Mm -hmm. is is uh with her life and uh whether you agree with her theology or not you cannot argue with the actions um, that her life had and and she will be missed we mourn as those um we mourn not as those who don't do not have hope but it is a it's a big loss for the for the christian community for the christian family absolutely absolutely um yeah so um, we're praying for her family, um, for her friends as well, those close to her. I mean, I can't imagine the grief they're experiencing. Well, to some extent, 
I can from the unexpected nature of it all. Uh, I was going to say, unfortunately, but you kind of can a little bit, a little bit, but it's still not the same. Um, They went through a roller coaster um, and I don't, it's not about comparing grief to grief, but it grief is just grief. Um, So that's all I wanted. I I just wanted to take a couple minutes to talk about that. And if you've never encountered her work, just go encounter it, please. Like just go read, pick up a book uh, or off of Amazon or something. Just go do it because she was incredible and she was accessible. I got an early copy of Inspired just by signing up to to be an early reader of one of the early prints of the book. Um, like, yeah, she was very yeah. accessible and and opened everything up to people. It was it was awesome. So um, also, this is uh, as we as we kind of transition. This is my first episode that we've recorded of Absurdity, where I am now on ADHD medication. It is official that I've talked about ADHD a couple times uh, so far, and this is kind of the final update I'm going to give on it, which is that I got my final diagnosis last week and got started medication on um, on May 2 or May 3. No, May 2. Sorry, May 2. And uh, immediate life change. <laughs> uh, immediate I was going to say, you have made unsustained unbroken or not unsustained, but unbroken, sustained eye contact this entire time. And it's freaking me out, man. I, I it is very weird to not fidget as much to uh, be able to sit down and work on stuff and not have to move a million times. Like I may have to like steal some from you, try to get, I'm trying to get my semester is over and I'm still trying to get assignments done. Explain that to me. Explain it Becker. I believe in you. Stupid brain. I believe in you. No, I, I will say if anyone's going to ask me what the medication is, I'm not going to tell you, uh, mainly because I think that is something that should be discussed with your doctor. There's so many different oh, of course. medications yeah, no, no, no. and categories. Yeah. Like it's something you need to well, get and discussed. That's, and that's personal. Yeah, but I mean, it's you just know, that's the one, one thing I hate. It's this that, whole it's thing that is people personal. People who force pastors. <laughs> yeah, it's, I hate that people who force pastors to just reveal yeah. where they got the things they got, yeah. man. Uh, <laughs> There's one thing. We should do an episode. Uh, on yeah. Um, the. But yeah, uh, so I won't talk about what the medication is. All I can say is, please go get help. Uh, it took me two months, three doctor's appointments is all it took. And um, now I actually have help. And I'm wondering how I lived my life this entire time without it. Uh, just insane, uh, the difference it has. And I know that it's not going to always be this way. I know I'll have bad days. I know that it's not perfect. Um, but man, am I so glad to be. I'm actually excited. to. I'm, I'm ending vacation yeah. today. Tomorrow I go back to work. And I'm just so excited to actually get back to work and see what I can do in an office now. Kendra Stanley had the best quote, though. She responded to you on Twitter. Yes. She was like, "I the first time I took it, I just sat down and did an assignment. And it's no, was it you? Was it you who said that, or was it her? It was. She it said, was, "Yeah, people. You mean people? This just, is how this is yeah, how people just, live. Like this is what they're like every day. Like I cracked up because I'm like, yo, no, that's legit how it feels. Yeah. When you're on this, you're just like, wait, you can just sit down and do something. I don't understand. She actually messaged me. Have... She messaged me after that thread, kind of the last yeah. tweet that I sent, and she really just sent some powerful words of encouragement. No, oh, uh, that's awesome. She was never my professor at Southern. Like I never right, really yeah. got to connect with her. Twitter's yeah. my inter- but man, I have so much massive respect for her. Uh, oh, incredible, so incredible amount. All right, um, man. So sorry for the heavy up- update or heavy uh, intro, everyone. We should just make like um, a supplemental, yeah, episode just on our riffing like, for the day. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's let's get down to brass tacks. It's down to brass tacks, Tony. We've been wanting to talk I, about this for a while. I don't use brass tacks. I use bronze. Okay, let's get down to bronze tacks, Tony. Um, I think um, 
We've been wanting to talk about church for a while. <laughs> we always talk yeah. about church. <laughs> You're so clever. Kind no, of. we want it. We one of the things that recently came out was that Francis Chan, uh, popular author of Crazy Love and I think Forgotten God, and now uh, Letters to the Church, um, he recently was in the news in a relevant article and some other stuff about he took a picture with a prosperity gospel preacher Benny Hinn at a conference that both of them were speaking at. And he got a ton of backlash for it because prosperity gospel, yada, yada. And Francis Chan had to defend himself and denounce um, and denounce prosperity gospel stuff. And, and it was kind of ridiculous. He just took a picture with the dude. Like the world's not going to end. They were both speakers at a conference. It's not like he approached yeah. a celebrity, like, you know, a celebrity. Said, we, oh, can we, you, yeah, can we you, talked can you about it a, picture? a little bit last week. Yeah, that idea of he was just like, I take like people come up and ask me for pictures. I didn't really realize who it was. Yeah. So, um, but, and this got me thinking about Francis Chan in general and kind of the nature of church because uh, Francis Chan, if you don't know, he left a mega church of 5,000 people. And there's actually a video circulating from about two years ago, uh, why Francis Chan left his mega church. And uh, one of the quotes that he said was he started to like read the Bible and think about the fact that like, he said, uh, God intended for all of his people, all of the body, to have these supernatural gifts, the, the spiritual gifts, right? These supernatural gifts that they use to contribute to the body and to contribute to the world. Um, and he said, 5,000 people were showing up every week to hear my gift instead of exercising theirs. And he said, not only that, I was wasting money on people in other countries are going to church for free. And we're spending millions of dollars to make this church run every year. And and so he began to ask the question, what would it look like if the body of Christ loved each other and pursued the spiritual gifts? Those the, those are the questions he asked. Um, and I think those are relevant questions to ask, because what he didn't what in none of that was he questioning that people loved Jesus. So he's saying people already love Jesus. They, they, they call themselves the body of Christ. So what would it look like if now they could love each other and exercise their spiritual gifts? So all of this prompted Francis Chan to leave his church. He gave up everything, and now he's created basically a network of house churches. And he's trained at the time that he recorded th that interview. It was July one, I think, was when it was posted in 2017. And we'll link it in the description. Um, he uh, he had already trained over 30 pastors um, that were doing it for free and just operating house churches. And it was an alternate model of church that that was missional. That was in, and and we have a friend in Adventism that's a big fan of yeah, stuff like right, this. Yeah. Sean Brace, um, with Mission with Mission Lab as the podcast, and great guy. Love the stuff that that he's doing. Love what Francis Chan is doing here. And I think he's he. This was this these these questions prompted good action, right and massive res whether regardless of theology, massive respect for someone who walks away from a five thousand person church and the and the salary and decides to yeah. yeah and the salary of it, and um and just to follow what he believes to be God's voice in his life. And to be clear, just because he called Francis Chan to walk away from 5,000 people doesn't mean he called, you know, he's calling yeah, everyone else to a, leave this is not a, or yeah, 200. No. no, this is like a, this is a Francis Chan experience with God. That's what it was. And um, I think it is powerful. I think it's good. And I think it, it prompts a uh, discussion that's worth having, which is on the nature of church, the structure of church, the method of church, all of it. Um, I think there's... Um, you know, we'll talk obviously within the framework of Seventh Day Adventism because that's uh, that's kind of how we identify. That's how you and I, I identify mean, religiously or faithfully. If we're but real, in, in most, general, most church services 
if an alien came down and we took him to a church service, there wouldn't be that much difference between no, just minor know, liturgical, just liturgical, ones. and maybe and maybe like the the style of music. Um, yeah. But if you go to a progressive Adventist church, I mean, you, I've been I've been to everything across the spectrum, and there's very there's honestly very little difference. The rhythms are very yeah. very similar. Yep, absolutely. So the so yeah, we'll talk. I mean, I guess theologically within our own framework, but in general, um, and I am going to reference I think some church structure stuff here that is beyond that is specific to Adventism. But um, yeah, it is it is. I mean, church yeah. is church. So, so um, I think I, I guess what what I think it would be good to kind of set a foundation though. So some kind of phrases that you'll hear that we might use, just so that everyone understands when we say the phrase "high church," we're talking about the traditional, um, heavily uh, uh, structured, um, kind of what you think of when you think of old it's, church, it's, like almost a Christian, almost a mass, yeah. you know, a mass would be considered. It's, it's very, church. Liturgical, very, very liturgical, very structured, very quiet. You know, it's, this um, is what's happening and this is what's happening and this is, yeah. and then we will do this and this and this. That's high church. When we say contemporary, we're talking about what you would, you know, Hillsong or Elevation Church or, you know what I mean? Like something that's out there and then non-traditional and, and Becker just, you can, can you know, you can work with me on this. Non-traditional, when I hear that, is something that is neither. Con- uh, 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 it's not in the middle, but it's neither high church and it's yeah. not contemporary. It's something that's yep. completely different. You know, it's like Monty yeah. Python. And to be clear, yes. And to be clear, when we say non-traditional, we don't mean oh, well, my church is a lot like high church, but we sing no, some contemporary that's not what songs. We're talking so we're, about. No, we're talking no, about no, 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 no. That's traditional not- service. Yes. The contemporary to high church scale is spectrum is a spectrum. You just identify somewhere on it. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's, is, and then yeah, there's something no. over here. Yeah. Non-traditional would be like house churches and um, things like that. Like that's, well, and, that, that's yeah, non-traditional yeah. And in even, my mind. And even house churches can still have like a high church kind of a thing as far as yeah. the liturgy. But yeah, like that's kind of what we're talking about is yeah. it was in the park, mm-hmm. you know, with a bunch of homeless dudes and we just prayed. That's a non-traditional type of service, kind of a thing. A Sunday service, yeah. right? The one we talked about last week with Kanye. That would be non-traditional, right? That would be, yes, the one, It's not contemporary. It's it's just these. But it's like, not a church yeah, service. That's Tony. not a church service, which is what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> but that that would be considered non-traditional. Yes. So if you don't know, if you didn't get that reference, go listen to last week's episode. Um, so let's talk. I mean, so the current church structure of like going to church. Uh, participating in a in a building that is a neutral building, right? It's not anyone's home. It's not anyone's private place. It is a um, it is a neutral building that people go to for some hours on Saturday or Sunday morning, and they worship together, they fellowship together, they maybe eat a meal together, talk about ministry together. It serves as kind of a launching point for ministry as well. Um, it's kind of home base for 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 uh, for the body of Christ. It serves as and there's so many of them. Um, yeah, so that I mean, that's that's essentially what we're talking about when we talk about the church structure. So I I, I think I, what I want to do is start by talking about some positives of that, some positive experiences maybe we've had with it. Um, I, I, I I hate just being negative on life uh, and on things that happen. So I, I think it is worth saying some positives because at the bottom the bottom line is at the end of this episode, both Tony and I will still be going to quote unquote traditional churches. You know, like we'll. The, so whether we think they're bad or good, we'll still be going to them. 
Uh, so it's not like it, it's not like we're just going to rag on them and leave. Like there's some good right. that, we no, believe of that course. exists that's worth yeah. participating in. So I think for me, the, the, the biggest positive for me that I love is the neutrality of the place that you're going. Um, it doesn't feel like um, I think, well, two, there's two big positives. First, the neutrality of the building or the neutrality of the location. The idea that I can go out of my home. I don't have to, I'm not a guest in someone else's home. So I have to mind manners. I have to mind all this. You know, I have to, I have to be really kind of on my best. I still am on my best behavior at church, but it's different when you're a guest in someone's home. Uh, I don't feel like I'm inconveniencing a host. Uh, I don't feel like, like everyone's there for the same purpose. So I love that. Um, and it's safe for people who are, who are, it's theoretically safe for people um, who don't want to go to someone's home and be in some small intimate setting. So um, that's the first thing. The second thing is, I think being in that kind of building or that kind of environment where you're with more than what can fit in a home uh, kind of reminds you of the bigger picture of what Christianity yeah, I'm is. I'm part of something. Right. I'm part of bigger something than bigger than just me and some friends, me and my in my home. I'm part of something much bigger, this movement that's happening, this bigger body. I, we, and I, we, and so I yeah, like that. We live in a house with a pretty big living room, but we can pack our living room with people who think like us. It's very hard, unless you go to a political rally, to pack a building full of people who think exactly like you. It's yep. very difficult to do. Well, it's even in political rallies. Well, it's hard. Yeah, it's just I mean, it's just, yeah, I was going to say, let me rephrase like that. Yeah, but to, for the most part, <laughs> they just protest. For the most part, in real life, I mean, you think about it, it's like outside of maybe sporting events, and even then, I mean, which team has a you know has a has a group of fans that are yeah. all agree on everything? So it's just it's much much harder. It's much much harder to have a kind of an echo chamber when you have a, a bigger church, a more traditional church. You you are just by proxy or just by the nature rather having more diversity and more perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just by, just by the number of people present. Absolutely. So I think there's a lot of value in that. I also think that it does serve as a point to like serves as storage for things. It's like, there's a lot of like I mean, regular benefits that the church I building serves, that, being able to register as a nonprofit with a business yeah. address, like being able to do all of these things that enable the church to save money, use money effectively, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. I think there's some real benefits, like logistically. I'll speaking. even say this. I know for a lot of people, they appreciate the ritual. Um, there's something calming and soothing about having a ritual where it's not just me getting up and going to my, it's, it's, I'm going out. I'm, you know, I'm doing this. I know this, mm -hmm. this is safe. This is, this is comforting. This is, this is something that I can recognize. It's, it's a ritual, you know? Um, that's why baseball players do That's why sports people, they have that ritual and people, oh, you're superstitious. No, it's because you want to get in that mentality of I was hitting yep. well, so I'm going to keep repeating what I was doing because I want to go back to that place. Um, yep. It's an acting trick that I've used on more than one occasion. Um, when you want to get into a character, for me, um, when I'm doing an, a, a, a character for a show or a movie or TV, um, I use a song in particular that I identify that character with. And so when I hear that song or when I play that song for myself, I get back into that character. I think of those emotions. I think of the way, you know, the way of thinking. Um, so that ritual has, I think, a positive benefit too. Now that can be good and bad, but I think there are some p positive benefits to having that. This is what I'm going to do. You know, the Sabbath, it's, I mean, it's every, to, you know, we say it's this it's Saturday, um, but that idea of having something once a week, every week, this is what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, the other benefit, this was the biggest thing that ever happened to me 
that, that happened when I was pastoring in South Carolina was the ability for walk-ins, the opportunity for walk-ins. Um, I remember a dude came into our church drunk and high, like beyond comprehension. And when I, when I got to, he got there before me and I was, I, I, uh, made it a habit to not show up for most of Sabbath school because I didn't want them to always defer to me for discussion points. And I wanted them to lead them and have them without the pastor present. And so I get there and this dude is just like in the arms of one of my members sitting silently through everything basically. And, uh, we talked to him a little later and he's like, man, I was just driving through and I don't know what I, I passed by the church and I just felt some incredibly strong compulsion to, to park my car and go in. And that doesn't just like, I mean, I get the Holy Spirit can lead you to some random house, but if we were all doing random house churches, like the ability for someone to the, walk the in chances, off the street, yeah. ask for help, or the chances go much, are, are dramatically more, decreased. Yeah. Like it becomes actually by nature, it becomes exclusive. Like literally by nature, it becomes invite only. Um, and, and so it is very, very it, it, and I'm not saying I, that doesn't, that's a reason not to do it. it. I'm just it saying like, can become, it, yeah, it can be it, it, it much um, easier. You have to be much but if more you start putting intentional. Out a sign in your yard. Yeah, I was going like, to say, you have to be much more intentional about no, advertising. You can't put a sign in your, but yeah, exa- but that's the thing. You can't advertise normally or else like there are, there are places where they've tried to do house church and homeowners associations or the County or the city challenged um, things yeah. happening in yeah. the home because, because they, they said, counted this them is as a public, public yep, gatherings. Yep. yep, yep. And you're not allowed and to have so within you, certain like, city limits and zoning yep. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's literal legal issues with doing it that way. So you have to be really careful doing a house church. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you have to be careful. So there's, there's, I think some really, really good things that happen with, with um, the current church structure. And obviously we're involved in it and pastored them and, and uh, will likely continue to. So um, yeah, I think they're great. I do. Likely um, to? Do you but, know something I don't, Ryan? I say likely. I don't know the future. That's what I don't know. Um, what do you know? What <laughs> have they told you about to me? Another future. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk cons. <laughs> um, I'm not going to tell you what I know about traditional you. churches. Uh, it's it's the ADD meds. Um, they're they're so I I would go back to ritual. <laughs> Um, yeah it's a, it's a it's blessing a and a curse right it depends on how you use it i think ritual is good but it can lead to stagnation and rigidity um mm-hmm. tradition is wonderful when it reminds us tradition is wonderful when it's used for what it's supposed to do right like knives are great when they're cutting food not when they're stabbing you in the neck right and i think that's the thing about ritual. i mean unless that's, that's your intended purpose of a knife no even then that's not no I don't care. That's not my neck and your neck specifically. Um, okay, then I'm in. Anyway, so, so I think that that, that is, uh, it, it can be a con. Um, I won't say which church, but I went to a large, an Adventist megachurch. Um, about, I think, 3,000 people, maybe 5,000. I'm not sure um, the numbers anymore. But it, it's a large church. It's a big church, multiple service church. And Becker and I have gone to this church. And so I went into that church. And for the first time in my life, I went in, I went out. No one knew me. No one talked to me. I did an entire church service alone, anonymous. 
And at the time, it felt cool. At the time, it was like, ooh, this is exciting. This is so fun. Like, oh, man, I can just come and relax and enjoy the service and come out. And now looking back on it, I go, that was a real hinge point for me because I didn't realize it at the time, but you can do church anonymously. Like, you can spend the rest of your life kind of doing church anonymously. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a very scary thing. And so that's a huge con that comes from having a traditional church is that... um, People get lost in the rigidity. Um, I think the other thing, and and I will say that I am a person that thrives on chaos and change. <laughs> um, in the it just is ADHD in my personality. I, I very much love change. I'm like, hey, we did it great. It worked. Let's try a new thing. Doesn't work. All right, that's cool. Because we when we know, when we know we need to go back to something that works, we know we have something that works. But why not try new stuff? So for me, I see stagnation as a bad thing. Um, when you stop, when you put the Holy Spirit in a box and say you are only allowed to come out here, here, and here, here are the five-minute allotments that we have designed. You know, and, and this is the other thing I've seen with a lot of these very high church, traditional churches. Um, they script the prayers. And I don't think there's anything I find. It's like my spiritual pet peeve is scripted prayers because is someone it's, reading it's a prayer? the opposite of what it's supposed to be. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying anytime you read, like, there are poems and songs. Like, I get that. But the inauthenticity that comes from, and ye upon the mountain God shall spake upon us, we lowly of the dude you're not like you've taken you've taken we're not talking to a real being at that point um and and i will fully admit that's a generational thing that's my personal pet peeve that's fine i mean i i love hearing people i I know we're criticizing prayer and and let's be clear if you're praying you're you're praying praying, i'm not gonna but right um, I do love counting how many times people say Father or God oh, in I had a, a prayer. I had a friend. Like, who, I, yeah. I say your name like twice in an hour of podcasting, Dude. and yet there are people who will say God like 10 times in a prayer. I had a friend, prayer. and I love him to death, And he, but Lord was his like eh or um. So he'd be like, Lord, we love Lord, all the Lord with the Lord. Lord, we're so glad, Lord, that Lord has come with the Lord, Lord, and people, Lord, 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 Lord. And it was like, Dude, if you say Lord one more time, like, I'm checking out like I'm like you have to stop yeah. saying it. And that's my and, and and again, that goes back to, to ritual. Right. When it becomes rote routine, you lose the authenticity of it. You lose the reality of it. Um, when you pray, you're talking to a real person. When you do worship, you are worshiping a real live being. And so to me, yes, worship should have structure. I'm not at all saying that. And I am saying that my own bias is towards uh, uh, a, a, a less mm-hmm. traditional structure or a less structured, shall we say, service. Um, but at the same time, I recognize, okay, that's my own bias, but I do, there is, mm-hmm. even though that's my bias, that just means I see this from an angle that could still be dangerous. And I think that there's a lot of danger in that. Um, you lose people, you get that. Uh, I think the other real danger that, that comes from having a traditional service, um, is that you start thinking that your way is the right way. Um, when you do a non-traditional service, I have been to so many non-traditional services that I've never once heard, oh, we do church the right way. 
Oh, I disagree oh, with see, that. I've strongly. never, I've, I've never I, heard that from. An I hear that a lot. What I, what I no, hear, okay, so the that's phrase fair. that like, I always hear is, "Oh, this is how we do church." This is how no, and, and I, I hear yeah. that a lot. I'm just saying it's not as immune to that attitude as we'd like okay. to think, and I think as like as much as non-traditionalists would like to think, um, because they always, uh, I hear a lot of non-traditional churchgoers and and church like leaders saying. Um, yeah, I, you know, we, you know, we, this is the way we do it. And, you know, we figured it out and this is the way we think it should be done. And, um, and I hear them saying, or having the same kind of hubris and arrogance that I hear from the traditional church. It's, I will say I hear it less, but I still hear it. There is a little bit of arrogance to say, yeah, we found our, we found a way to do it. I haven't. I mean, that's just my thing is I haven't. It's experience. Yeah, it's, it, we talk about experiences. Um, You're good. I haven't heard yeah, that. Yeah. But it's true. I mean, it's true. However, I have heard from almost every single traditional service I have been to, oh, yeah, this is the correct way. I mean, mm-hmm. I hate to beat this dead horse, but I'll keep saying it again until they apologize for it. We had a major leader of our denomination step up and say, there is a right way of doing church, so be careful that you don't get led into doing these wrong ways of church. Well, yeah. <laughs> Where in the Bible does it say, and thou shalt have three minutes for the children's story, and thou shalt put, make sure that thou puttest a benediction before the, it doesn't have that. Yeah. There is no liturgy. Yeah. And so when he says, oh, well, there's evil ways of doing, no, there isn't. There isn't. And so I have heard that much more. Like I said, almost every single church, either they don't think about it, which is just as dangerous, or they say, well, this is the right way to do it. And that and that yep. refers to black churches, that refers mm-hmm. to white churches, that refers to high church, and that refers to contemporary churches. Any traditional church, you tend to hear, oh, we're doing it the right way because we're trying to reach this person. And I'll even say I have heard the 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 qualifier, well, we're trying to reach this audience and this is the right way for this audience. I, and I will even disagree with that qualifier. I'll go that far to say, mm, even with that particular audience, there is no right way. But I think there's a way that's effective. And you could, so to me, yeah. I know it's a semantic game, but I, I would prefer to hear, I, we think this is the most effective way to reach this particular, these people. Our yeah, community. you're saying we found a way that for works our community. for what we yeah, are doing or who we I would are. Ex- yeah? I'm much more inclined to accept that than this is the right way. Because I've heard that. I've heard mm-hmm. that, like I said, I've heard that from all sides of the spectrum. And it's innate. I mean, every... Uh, you're doing it because humankind, there's somebody yes, that believes it's the best way to do it. do this all the time, right? People in communist governments said communism is the best government. People in capitalist governments say capitalism is, is the best government. People in socialists say socialism is the best. You always tend to think the way that I've done it is the best. And when facts are against you, we tend to double down. Um, it's just human tendency. It's human nature. Mm-hmm. But I will say, and, and again, this is from my own personal experience, that I have seen a lot more of the non-traditional churches because they went non-traditional. They have taken that and said, there is no right way to do church. Again, in my own personal experience. And they have said, since there is no right way to do church, let's mix it up. What would work best here? And I have seen mm-hmm. that be a lot more yeah. uh, uh, than in a traditional church. So that's those are the cons yeah. from my point of view. What are some cons you've seen? Um, there's actually one recently that I've kind of realized. I've never thought about it and just kind of dawned on me. Uh, it's going to take some setting up because I'm going to go a bit higher level here. And oh, it is specifically I, I did Adventist. forget one. Can I add one real quick? 
Traditional churches yes, tend uh, to be more pastor dependent. Okay, continue. Yes, fair. Um, and it's uh, it, it is specific to Adventism or to any denomination where the local church doesn't keep tithe. Um, it's something I realized recently, and it bugs me more than I wanted it to. Um, but let me clarify two things. A, at no point in what I'm saying am I advocating for the redirection of tithe in any like anywhere. <laughs> I am not saying that. I'm just telling you something I realized that bugged me. I'm going to tweet that you specifically said we should two, send tithe. I hate you. Um, two, number two is the way that tithe works in Adventism is tithe goes up the chain all the way to the top level of, of church administration. So the general conference, the world church, and then it trickles back down. Um, it, it, it trickles back down to all of the divisions, all of the unions, all of the conferences and pays salaries, pays funds. I, that's the world church budget basically is the culmination of tithe plus like investment payoffs, stuff like that. But it, it's tithe, it's, it's, uh, that pays your pastor's salary, pays other pastor's salaries, all that, pays administrator salaries, right? So your local church, if you're giving tithe to your local church, thinking that it's helping pay the bills of your local church, it's not, unless you're giving your tithe without marking it as tithe, which in the Adventist church would be seen as unethical. Um, so the, the, the thing that bugs me about this is, and this is what I realized, is that technically by removing tithe from the local church, technically what we're doing is is siphoning out money from local communities. We are literally taking money out of local communities. And the only part of that that gets put back into that local community is basically whatever, how many, however many conference employees you have at your church, their salaries. Um, and I that but that realization just bugs me. It's unsettling to me. I don't have any alternative. I'm not saying we do away with our tithe structure. I'm not saying any more than what I'm saying. I'm just saying that that bugged me. Um, it 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 just bugs me that that a lot of our our money can't actually go back into helping grow our communities and be impactful in our communities. I do think that's just a con of the current church structure. That's it. That's all I'm saying there. Um, so I, <laughs> that's where I'm I at there. Um, I, I think see that a lot with yeah. the first one. Um, the second one, I'm like, well, I, that's kind of, what are you going to do? I, it, it's wrong, but like, yeah, what that's what I'm saying. Like the it first, is the first part. Yeah. though, I can see where you're going with that. I can definitely see where you're going with that. Yeah. I, so that's, that's where, that's where I'm at there. I just, I'm just laying that out. I'm not trying to tread on hot water. Like, like I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. It's just, it is what it is. Um, I think the other, um, Another con for me is the um, not just the rightness or the rigidity. I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Um, oh, this is it. I, I know exactly how I want to say this. It is the subtle implied expectation or, or, or teaching. No, not expectation. It's the teaching. It is the subtle implied teaching that to become a better Christian, you become a better church member. Um, okay. By you okay. supporting this yeah. building more, you are getting to the next level of Christianity. It's this like was, by, be, by being um, a good, in order to be a good citizen, you have to obey the law. Yep. Yeah. The next yeah. step in your Christianity is to become a deacon. Then it's to become an elder, you know, and that's like the pinnacle. Um, you, Attend, you, give tithe. We do that the, a yeah. lot. It tends to, it that tends, was, it and, tends and to, fact, to make it very check the boxy yeah. kind of. And there was someone who left Elevation Church a few years ago, and he was on the Bad Christian Podcast, and he talked about that very fact. He was like, at Elevation, I felt like the way to be a better Christian was to be more involved at Elevation. And this is something now that I, I'm very careful in my rhetoric from up front, from talking with members to say, like, 
hey, this this is a community that's meant to, or th not this is a community. This is a building that's meant to be a vehicle for um, community, for you expressing your faith, for you expressing your gifts. This church is supposed to be an avenue for you to do that and to provide you with opportunities to do that. You are not a better Christian because you're a deacon and someone else isn't. You haven't reached the next level because you've gotten involved in your local church community. Maybe that's a part of that next level. But the next level is loving the people in your life and being a Christian in, in your daily life, like and in your I, walk. I think it's because the emphasis, the emphasis falls on, because I think you should choose those people to be your deacons and elders. You know what I'm saying? But then the expectation comes, oh, well, I want to be a deacon because those are all good guys. Rather than, uh, and when I say guy, let me rephrase that. Girls, Girls or, or guys, guys, yes. Those are good people. Um, mm -hmm. And then with the flip side of that being, oh, well, I want to be a good, I want to be an elder because they're responsible and they're this and they're that. And it's like, no, it's the other way around. Like, you shouldn't, you should want to be a good person. And then from the good people, we choose the elders and the deacons and the leaders and the, and those are just two particular jobs, like Sabbath school director, anyone that's involved. But yeah, I get what you're saying yeah. that it, it can, you, the emphasis, the motivation can switch from. Yeah. Because you, you need to preserve your building. You've got bills to pay and it can, this is another con, like it can spoil your motivations for what you're doing. You've got a bottom line that you have to make that you have to pull in, in offering in local giving. Um, and it means that because of the very nature of the Adventist structure, you're asking people to pay 10% tithe plus more of their income to support the local church. So if I'm already taxed at, let's say, 20% of my income, I don't let me just assume that, right? Pick a number. And then I have to give... 68% of yeah, all numbers right? are made up on the spot. It's fact. So let's just say I have to pay 20% of my income in tax. Then I have to pay 10% in tithe. And then I have to pay another 5% in offer or whatever determined I give. But it has to, you know, we want to be something substantial if you want your building to thrive, right? So let's say now that is 30, uh, 30, uh, 35 to 40% of my income is just gone out the door yeah. before it's even come into my yeah. hand. Um, and I get, oh, well, the tithe isn't your, yes, okay, semantics, I get it, I get it. Um, but it's, it is, it feels bad. Like, it just feels bad. But yeah, the preservation of the system, the preservation of the institution does become a priority at that point. And I think that can spoil motives. It can spoil um, the things you do as well. Uh, and it can hamper you from doing mission. In your local like, area. Like, it can absolutely yeah. hamper you. Yeah. We have to, you know, yeah, it absolutely well, we were can. talking when I was pastoring about, you know, hey, let's try to see what, you know, the local churches are doing. And I immediately, I didn't nix that, but I go, look, they can do things we can't do. When it comes to service, when it comes to community outreach, their money stays in the community. And I go, I, and there are times where I'm not, I don't covet it because that's a sin and I would never break the 10th commandment, but I come close. Uh, <laughs> where, where I'm like, man, we could do so much with our yeah. church if, if we were able to keep that in-house. We could do, there's so many things we could do in this community if we were to keep that. And I'm not saying that I want to abandon our brothers and sisters across the world, I absolutely believe that, that the mission is going out, and, and I love being a yeah, part exactly. of that. It's, it's, At the same time, yep. it's just hard because it's like, oh, my gosh, I see what we could be doing here with that money. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not saying I want to abandon yeah. local mission elsewhere. Yeah, I just wish no. we could find a way well, to do and, and, you know, And this is where I would – I'll get on my horse for a bit. I don't like how – 
structured. We've remained in our spending of money for evangelistic efforts. Um, if anybody spends money on pamphlets, you're an idiot at this point. At this point, you can give me all the signs you want. It works. It no. If you spend more than $200 on physical pamphlets with the internet, you are, you are insane. I don't care who you are. Fight me. Jesse James Hereford, do you like me now? Um, <laughs> no, but like, I, and, and, and evangelists will, will, they might disagree with me in this completely, but I go, we have the age of the internet. The fact that we as a church are spending money to make magazines still, I, it's, it baffles me. It baffles me. Um, the business world has already said I, I that wanna... has died, and we spend it on things that that instead of things that the local community, that people on the ground can see, we're like, no, it's better if we spend it for this. And it's like, man, we need to we need we the place that we spend the most money should be on the cusp. My dad was doing this the other day. He had a he had a big drive for the NAD Latinos. And he said it, it amazed him because he goes, we have all the stuff on. All you have to do is sign in on this on the site and register, and it's free on the site. All the stuff, you can stream it all and download it. And he goes, but these older ones, they want their DVDs. They will not do it without their DVDs. And it's like, what? you have the internet at your site. I know. I've been to that church. Like, you can do this, and they won't do it. They'll, they, they will only do it if they have the DVDs. And it goes back to, I mean, I get that. Some people are going to get left behind if you don't do that, but you have to be able to move forward if you're going to spend significant money on some of these stuff. Like you have to be on the razor edge. Like you cannot, you cannot be paying these graphic designers to make stuff from the seventies and eighties. You know what I mean? These, these PowerPoints and stuff that is not, I want to disagree with you, Tony. Unfortunately, I literally can't because in a month, uh, a magazine is, Coming out in a different state. I think it's, I don't remember yeah. what state, but Illinois maybe. I don't remember. But coming out in a different state that features, like it's an inter, there's an article in there that's an interview with me about Adventist podcasting. So I can't disagree with you because I would be a hypocrite. <laughs> well, and, and that's, <laughs> but that's the reality is like, <laughs> we need to be able to go. Di- and, and here's the thing I'm not saying get rid of publications, I'm saying go digital. Go digital. Like, that's the future. Like, we need to be... Anyway, that's my hobby horse. I'll get off the hobby horse. I just think, yeah, there are ways... That it, it hurts when the money goes away. Mm-hmm. And you see it go out and you're like, oh, there could be so much more. And that being said, I, 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 that's one that I don't know what we can do about. That's a con that I, yeah. I don't well, know. And, well, and in general, like, here's the thing, too, because I want to talk about alternative models. But the the one thing that I want to really be clear about is no matter what model that we find out, we could probably poke oh, holes yeah. in it. Like, like Nothing's no matter perfect. what, even if you you could go back, you could back to go back to Axe. And of, you know what the whole yeah. you know what the biggest con in the, the process of Axe or in the book of Axe was? The biggest con was that it relied on people to be honest. Yep. <laughs> Yep. And if they weren't, it could potentially screw over the well, entire And then community. it got insular, so God had to, f- like, literally send the cops to break it up and send it because he's like, you're not meant to stay in Jerusalem, go. And so they then they started yep. dispersing. So, like, yeah, like, I mean, there 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 is no one perfect way. And understand, we are poking holes because we want to say, hey, this is what we do well, this is what we can improve on. Um, so I don't even like saying cons. I like saying challenges. Right. These are the challenges. Yeah, they're obstacles. They're things, things that we yeah, can improve on. Um, and yeah, I think that there there are lots of things that we can do to improve 
Um, but I think also when you look at non-traditional churches, there's just as much. I mean, and, 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 and this is, I will also say this, know your community, okay? Know your community. I lived in Texas. It did not make sense where I was at to have a non-traditional church. People would not have gone to it. They, they, I wouldn't, I won't say that. The most effective, the thing that people grew up with that they were expecting was a traditional type of church. Even if it was contemporary, at least traditional. And so know your audience. Know what's going to be most effective in that area. Um, But yeah, everything has a whole. I mean, everything can be improved on. And that's good news, right? Yeah, because it means that like in the same way, like this is the same thing in the same way that you're never going to become a perfect Christian before Jesus comes back. Your church is never like it's something to continually strive for. It's a reason to keep looking at yourself and to say, how can I chase after yeah, God? How can, today? How, can um, how can I get closer to him and how can I follow? Well, Jesus it's like better? asking those questions that Francis Chan did of how can I become more like Christ? How can this church become more like Christ for them? For him, it meant stepping away from a salary and for them selling their building and going completely, you know, outdoors and. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if that saved Francis Chan's faith. It wouldn't surprise it me, especially now looking at looking at what's happened to yeah. megachurches with Mark Driscoll, well, Perry Noble, um, all these all these megachurch pastors, Darren Patrick, all these guys who are getting caught up in abuse scandals. Um, uh, what's his name from Willow Creek? Yeah, uh, Bill Heibels. Heibels. Uh, abuse scandals, power scandals, um, well, I, like all of it. Like, yeah, I think Francis Chan got saved. beyond that. I th- I still go back to and now it's a bit dated. I think it came out what four years ago or something. The uh, the, the Willow Creek they basically wrote their their big they did their study and they said uh, you know we were wrong everything we did um, and the quote that I'm specifically going back to and I'm paraphrasing and I wish I I should have read up on this more before I brought it up but um, they said we weren't making better Christians we were making better church members and it goes yep. back to exactly what you said about, you know, the way to progress is to be better church members. Um, but I, I think that that was the, the, the issue that we, even with Francis Chan is he was questioning that same thing you were saying. I'm just making someone a better church member. That's not Christianity. That's that's not what it's supposed to be about. Um, no, that's just business. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's a little bit different in the non-denominational realm, although he was cornerstone, so I think he was a denomination, but it's a little bit different in that area because you tend to have a little more merch and that kind of stuff, but we have it in all aspects of the Adventist Church. I mean, we have Oshkosh coming up this summer, and that's a business. Um, so, you know, we have we have it all. So it is and it isn't, but you, I, think, I think that's the big thing is you have to question and look and say, um, you know, is this the most effective for my area? Is this the most effective way? So with that, let's talk about alternative models. Yeah. Um, I think, and I don't, I don't know that I have a clear answer here. I don't think that I, I have a, like a perfect alternative to suggest, not just because one doesn't exist, but because like, I, I honestly, like, I know I do a podcast about this and we talk about this, but I, I, I don't know that I've done enough prep work on this to be able to like right. give you a laid out yeah. plan for what I think this should be what we do next. Basically, the alternative model to church that I would propose, though, at this point is not necessarily changing the model, but changing the way we approach the model. Um, So I actually see the problem being more about our mindset and approaching it rather than the model itself. I think the model is a neutral thing. I think it is just a vehicle for community. 
and how we treat that model is 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 vastly important. Like I remember when I preached to my church members in South Carolina at one point, and I said um, that going to church on Sunday, like remember Adventist, uh, I told them going to church on Sunday isn't a sin, and they flipped out. Like they like you could watch their brains like break trying to understand what I Ears had just are said. flying off. It's like that SpongeBob yeah. meme where they're like, "Burn it, burn it all." And so then I proceeded to read the fourth commandment, and I said, "Where does it say that you?" have to worship on the seventh day it says you need to rest and you need to make and you need to make sure others are resting around you it's not say you worship um granted the act of rest in that it is a worship experience but there's nothing about corporate like go to church go to the temple and worship on this day right not only that but there's nothing wrong with worshiping any other day of the week either there's they nothing had wrong with at the temple literally every day yeah that's like like so i i told them that and then I um, and then I said the reason that we all go to church on Saturday is because it's the day we all have off. <laughs> like it's just the day that all of us have a free a hole in our schedule that we could go and and do church together and worship together. That's why, like theoretically, the Adventist Church could say, "All right, Saturday's our holy day. We're go we're, we're we're doing public worship services on Monday," and they wouldn't really be breaking anything that I can think of biblically, like. It just would make us all really uncomfortable because it's weird and we've never done anything different. But that's the point. We've never done anything different. The way we approach or the mindset that we have when we approach what we've always done and the things we've always done, I think, needs to be shifted. And I think we need to start asking the question, like, what is the real cost of what we're doing? What is the outcome of what we're doing? And what needs to change? I get that Pathfinders may have been the thing that saved your life. But if no one's in Pathfinders anymore, maybe it's time that we don't do that ministry anymore. Um, if if your church is um, is if five people are meeting in your church building, and it's costing you more money than you can than you can pay to keep it up, then maybe it's time to sell the church building and to and to replant and to uh, build from scratch. Maybe like. I think that I think not the I don't think the model necessarily needs to change so much as our mindset and our approach to it. That's kind of I think where I'm at right at this second. That will probably change over time, but I think that would be where I would start at least because I think that is something realistic that we can do right now. I could propose ideals all day long, but I think if if each of us started asking that question individually on how we contribute and what we can do differently to chase Jesus better, to follow after him better and to love people better, then I think, yeah, we we absolutely um, we absolutely can change the way we do church without actually changing the way we do church. It's wild, but that's where I'm at. I don't know, Tony, if you have any thoughts. You look like you're processing. No, I'm I'm, I'm with you on that. I think so. I would I would stay with you 100. percent I'll go bigger and go smaller. How's that sound? Um, so when it comes to looking at church, I think we need to say. You know, one thing that I had that I, I, I discovered this kind of too late for my first church. Um, and I started kind of crying it at the end, but it kind of needs to become a war cry for at the very beginning, which I'm going to do when I get to my next one, which is count the people in your community. Go online, find the census. How many people live in your town area community? That's the amount of people mm. for Adventists and for Christians, but that's the amount of people that need to hear about the gospel. And for Adventists, those are the people that need to hear about Jesus soon coming, the three angels' message, right? Those are the ones who need to hear our specific. They need to be ready. Like, Jesus wants them ready, or at least to have the 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 choice and the option. 
right? So for my first town, that was 60,000. So we needed to look at our church and say, how do we come up with a model that allows us to reach 60,000 people, right? Maybe that's a 10-year plan. Maybe that's a five-year plan, you know, ambitious. Maybe that's a 20-year plan. I don't know. I don't care. I mean, you know, 20-year plans, at that Whatever point, is, you have yeah. to keep, you know, evaluating because, all right, it's going to either grow or shrink. But the reality is those are the amount of people. That's what you need. So you need to look bigger. I think we need to aim bigger because I think part of the reason why we stay so small, part of the reason why we have these five-member churches that we say we need to is because those five people aren't going out and meeting people in their community. Even yep. these dying communities, I'm like, those dying communities still can be ministered to. Um, and so I think, the, the, like what you were saying, how can we do this? I think also church, again, big picture, church needs to not be about us. Um, and we've said it before on this podcast. I will keep saying it until the day I die. Church is not about you. Church is not about you. I have no problem with you getting a blessing out of church. I have no problem if you're burned out and need a place to rest. But church is not about you. It is about the people who are burned out. It is about mm-hmm. the people who, who are in the community. Those are the people that need it. Yes, I am here to help you. I am here to, you know, we as a community need to gather together and, and, and support each other. But it is not about you. When you make church about you, then you say things like, well, I really didn't like the music today. I don't care whether you like the music or not. I really do not yeah. care. What I care is... If someone walks in off of the street, are they going to be touched by the songs that were there? Is this reaching the mm-hmm. community? If your community is all retirees, all right, sing, you know, songs from the 60s and 70s. Sing those old hymns. They're going for it. If they like it, then they like it. That's what your community is. But I don't care about your interests. And then going much smaller, blow up your church liturgy. Blow it up, take it out, take a take a monkey wrench to it, um, full on from the from the from the from the base of rebuild. You know, um, mm-hmm. this is a frame off restoration. You need to blow it up. If you put it back in the exact same order after blowing it up, that's totally fine by me. But be willing to get out and say anything. It, to Marie Kondo, your church service. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have seen more church services ruined by a children's story than I care to to count. It's like everything was going great. There was a spirit. God was there. He was moving, and then it came to a screeching halt. And philosophically, I understand why you have a, ch- a children's story, but at the same time, everything should be a children's story. If you think that children in the Bible times weren't reading about rape and sexual assault and what they do, and, and the mistakes that their forefathers made, you are wrong, my friend. They were introduced to adult concepts brutally because if you think kids aren't being molested and they're not having to deal with adult issues, then you are sorely mistaken. So, yes, you want to protect their innocence. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying as a group community, you need to get together and realize every part of your service needs to be taken out, examined, cleaned off and then either put back in or replaced what order you put it in how you do it um 
The only church that doesn't need to do this realistically are Catholic churches. That's it, because the mass is determined by the the uh, the Pope and the um, uh, the group of bishops. Whatever it's when they get all together, I can't remember what that's called. Yeah, oh, okay. uh, the Mysterium. No, something like that. Um, I got nothing. Anyway, so th- those the those secret are, <laughs> life of Walter Mitty. So those are the people that they they decide yeah. what the church service should look like. Other than that, yeah, I think. Everybody, like your church, especially the Adventists, take it out, clean it off, and even if you put it back together in the, even if you say this is the best way to do it, and you put it back, but but blow it up. So to me, go bigger and go smaller, Um, because those are the things that you know. And and to me, if you say we're going to reach sixty thousand people, you're going to have to blow up how you do your church service. How you do your ministries? It's, yeah, it's, it's going change. to change by na- because it's like you can't. The way we do church right now is unsustainable for sixty thousand people. If we really like, and yeah. you know, and it, I won't get into all the eschatology of the the latter rain and the spirit flowing out. But honestly, if we were to try to have like a the type of growth that people had in the early church times, we're not ready for that. As as most of our churches are not ready for that type of growth. Yeah. Well, I think I, I agree with you uh, on all fronts here. I think, um, man, uh, um, I think if you can't, if you if you break down your liturgy and say, what do we need to worship God? Um, that question then is going to change to, well, then what is worship? And I think there there can be a more creative answer than singing and a sermon. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think there's, uh, I think there's definitely a need. If your answer to how can we best, uh, or what do we need? Like, what is church? Um, if your answer, or what do we need to be able to do church? And if your answer is anything other than worshiping Jesus, then I think there's your starting point. What do I need to make church happen? I need lights. I need, uh, we need this part of the service. We need that part of the service. We need these kind of offering plates. We need pews. We need this. If your answer is anything other than worshiping Jesus, then like that's the place that you start from. Yeah. Openness, so, openness, um, and our praising and, Jesus. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, coming together to, to, to give yeah. God glory. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I had a thought. Remind me of what the, the first point was that you made about bigger, because uh, I had a point. And You're, God I wants you to reach now. the X amount of people in your community. Oh, man, there was something. I had so it, for, and it's gone, was, and it was really good. Uh, well, the, I said, man, like, there was 60,000. So I said, like, there was 60,000. Yeah, nope, I um, don't. You know, 10-year plan, 20-year plan. I don't know, whatever. Nope. It's gone. Why would you? It's, it's like gone. someone. Yes. Oh, yeah, I got it. I got it. it. I got it. I got it. Um, I, I a lot of church members. It seems like a lot of church members are walking around with this attitude of, "F you, I got mine." Like it's this attitude of, or like, "I got mine." F you. That's the that's the way it actually goes. And what I mean by that is like, forgive it, It's you? like they got pulled out of a. It's it's like, it's like they got pulled out of a rushing river. And instead of help, turning back to help someone else get out of the river, they said, ha ha, good luck to you. I hope you get out too. Or they turn around and, and how dare away. those people be in that rushing river. Yeah. How dare they Look be in me, that rushing I got river. Like the audacity out. of them. While, while you're st- where, when someone else reached in and pulled you out. Um, it's this idea that the idea of making church about you, when you get so, out of the that situation, that is, yes, continue is, when you get out. Yeah. When you get, when you get out of the, of the place that is, that is dangerous, that is harmful. Um, like that, that, that was sinful for you, turn around and help someone else get out of it too. Like your job changes when you're out of it. Um, and to reach back in and to pull people out. So I think, 
Um, yeah, I think church isn't about us. I think it is about the people. It becomes about the people that aren't there yet. And um, it, it, yeah, that was what I wanted to add there. So um, I think I think we've hashed this out pretty well. No, I think it's um, good. Because again, I think you hit it kind of on the first part. Like we could sit here and go through each specific model all the time. But I think the principle is, uh, uh, you know, take it into the shop and really question, can we make this better or not? You know, Francis Chan yeah, did that. Absolutely. And and that to me, I think, is also why when people call him out for that kind of a picture, I, I just say, look at his body of work. Like, look at, look at the questions this man is asking. Like, judge that before you say, oh, well, look, he took a picture yep. with, you know, this person. And with, with half an ounce of perspective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. nothing. I, I think it's, it's I, a picture. Just be, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I took a picture with a sinner once. Thank goodness. Um, no, but but it, yeah, exactly. it, really is, um, it really just boils down to the point of like, when you ask those questions, I have never heard of someone asking those type of questions and being coming out worse for it. I've definitely heard yep. of those. I've definitely heard of stories of people not asking those questions and those questions are asked of them. And when they don't have an answer, then they walk away from church because they can't, they don't have a good answer. But when you really fight through that that question and you get an answer for it. Even if the answer is this is how, you know, this is this is our ritual and whatever. Even if it's something and you're like this brings us joy, you know, Marie Kondo that they like special music. Um okay, fine. If that's what works for your community. But but take it out, have the willingness and the humility um to be able to say, is this going to be effective or not? And then, and then kill those sacred cows, man. That's a, there's a long yep. story behind that sentence, but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you, sometimes you gotta, you gotta put the thing you love, um, you know, on the altar and say, all right, God, if, if you're asking us to give this up, then we're willing to do this. If, if this isn't going to be the most effective and pray through the whole process, right? Like don't just do it because for progress sake, put God to the test on all of that and say, God, is this the way you want us to do it? Because I think God is calling us yeah. to be best and better mm-hmm. um, biblically, you know, scripturally. So yeah, that's, that's all I got to say about that. Awesome. I love you, Jesse. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, be on the lookout this week on Friday of May 10, Friday, May 10, I am launching something very, very big. Very, 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 um, uh, so uh, be on the lookout for our Facebook page, everything. And actually the next episode will be dedicated to talking about it. So it's, it's coming. Um, and I think it's going to be a real game changer. I'm really excited about it. So be on the lookout for that, but thank you so much for listening. If you want to support us, you can find us on facebook.com slash absurdity podcast, patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. If you want to donate and support this financially, uh, every dollar helps us make this happen. Uh, and then if you follow us on iTunes, you can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. Um, so thank you guys so much. Tell a friend about us if you haven't yet. Um, send an episode that you think they might enjoy or get some get some benefit from. Um, but just thank you so much for being on this journey with us. We really, really appreciate you. Um, and with that, we'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.